What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Eagles Monday Recap. I'm Alex Miller from the Eagle, joined always by Travis Brown, the Eagles Texas A&M athletics reporter. Travis, what's going on, my guy? Like, I'm so glad that the colder temperatures are here. But the allergies are, are crazy. Like, like Owen Buchanan from Texas couldn't even talk today in the press conference. I got the sinus pre- like, I don't know. Maybe I want maybe I want hundred degree weather back. I I don't know. I I can't decide. What do you think? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, I think there are some things the Aggies wish they could have back from Saturday's loss against Alabama. You know, Travis, we talked at length after the game on Saturday just about some of the missed opportunities that AM had and you know, the the way things went, especially in the second half, you know, looking back at it, you know, it, it was clear that Alabama dominated in, in two areas, really in the pass rush and really in 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 specifically exposing AM's pass defense. Today, we heard a couple updates about a couple of guys that people have really been asking some questions about. Where have these guys been? Yeah, well... To reset that a little bit, you know, uh, we talked with Bryce Anderson after the game on Saturday, and he said that they knew that Alabama was going to beat them offensively one or two ways. They were going to establish the run, or they were going to take shots downfield. A&M's run defense has been stellar all season, and it continued to be on Saturday. But they were able to get shots downfield, especially to uh, uh, Jermaine Burton, uh, who just lit them up for almost 200 yards uh, and two touchdowns. And most of the targets that Burton had, he was defended by Josh DeBerry, the transfer, who had a great week one game, but has been a little up and down ever since. They they subduce Harmon in for him, but if you look at pro football focus at the, the matchup targets, he only was actually defending Burton one time while he was in there. They just kind of moved away from Burton during that short period. But DeBerry came back. And if you also want to look at pro football focus too, Jimbo Fisher's one of the things that they said was that what reasons why they kept him in in the second half was they went a little bit more zone to give him uh, to take the pressure off of him. Well, actually, the majority of the yards and catches that Burton had against DeBerry were in zone coverage, according to pro football focus. So that doesn't quite mesh. All that to be said, that left a big question mark on. What's happened with Tony Grimes, the North Carolina transfer uh, who was one of, supposed to be one of the big portal gets for the Aggies this year, plays cornerback. DeBerry actually played nickel most of the time at uh, Boston College and has moved over to cornerback here. Grimes was a true cornerback uh, for, for the Tar Heels. And even when we talked to Mac Brown at the Texas High School Coaches Association uh, before the season started, when he spoke with those guys and had a press conference, he said Tony Grimes is a guy that they – they wanted to keep like they were pretty sad when he decided to enter the transfer portal and leave. Um, Jimbo Fisher said today that he's had a lower body injury that just has continually, continually flared up. And when it was one step forward, it seemed then it was two steps back and just hasn't been able to be in practice consistently enough to be able to earn any playing time. And so that's where the situation is with, with Grimes. And then you also mentioned the pass rush, um, AM's offensive line, again, if you want to look at pro football focus, it was the lowest grade that they've had all season. It was in the 30s, I believe 34 was their... Granted, this was probably the best defensive front they've seen all season. True, <laughs> um, but if you want to kind of compare it to how bad things have been for AM's at different times, the only grade that they got lower this season was for tackling against uh, Miami. 
and which that was, was pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, all along the offensive line, um, Mark Naboo was got a graded as a seventy-five. Um, everybody else wasn't below a fifty-four. I believe Trazine was a 55.4 and that all goes all the way down to Chase Basantis who I believe graded as a either was a 17 or a 19 it, it was, was in the, the teens, teens. Uh, he Not allowed good. six pressures every single one of the starters allowed a sack so that then asked the question well where is Ruben Fathery who was a starter all last season who shut down Will Anderson two years ago like it was no problem exactly <laughs> and Jimbo Fisher you know he got injured before the season was held you know was, was limited in fall camp because of that injury and Jimbo Fisher said he's just been slow to uh, recover from the the undisclosed injury uh, and so those are two guys that I think a lot of people before the season started thought would have an impact and then when it's become obvious that at times and sometimes consistently those have been problems for the Aggies they thought that those guys could come in and make a difference well it's just uh, according to Jimbo injuries that won't let them practice therefore they can't get thrown out into the game situation yeah kind of just a tough break for A&M because I mean they're, they're right there and, and those are two positions we knew coming into the season they were gonna have to step it up in order to you know do some good things once they got onto the field and and yeah, I I think people have just been wondering where are these guys? It's like they're ghosts right now. And so uh, definitely definitely was interesting to hear a little bit of, at least about what Jimbo had to say about why they're not at, out there. Yeah, Grimes and Fathery have suited out for all of the games. Yeah, they were suited been, out on Saturday and been part of uh, the warmups and everything, but they just uh, can't uh, shake the injuries enough to get enough practice time to be eligible to. You know, eligible in the coach's eyes to be up for uh, some playing time during the games. Well, Anum's going to have to get it going again this week. They're 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 playing at Tennessee, uh, second true road game of the season. Man, it's the middle of October and it's your second true road game. Anum got got a pretty nice cut on the mm-hmm. schedule this year. Did not last no. year. I mean, it seemed like October. You guys were just flying every which way across the southeast. Six straight weeks. If you want to include the bye week, six straight weeks away from Kyle Field last yeah, year. It was it it was kind of crazy that that stretch. Needless to say, uh, Tennessee, you know, top twenty five team. Uh, Joe Milton at quarterback. There, Josh Heupel's kind of got it going. They lost Brew McCoy a couple weeks ago in that win over South Carolina, but. Uh, this volunteer offense is uh, it, it, it's got some it's got some real threats. The big thing that Fidel Diggs talked about is their tempo, uh, their ability to get to the line of scrimmage and get a playoff quick. Um, you know, there was times that I want to say it was ULM went a little bit up tempo that kind of kept A and M uh, a little off. And Miami too went Miami tempo. went tempo uh, and it got got A and M. You know, they were still trying to get the play call in and get people in the right positions. Um, before the ball was snapped, and so that'll be interesting to see how they've uh, moved on, and, and if that at all negates the pass rush or their ability to, to bring different guys from different positions, because if they don't have that, they're going to be really in trouble, because the, the pass rush has been the saving grace for the defensive secondary um, in, in the games that they've won so far this year, uh, and I don't think that defensive secondary is getting any faster. Um, Jimbo Fisher does make a point there, too, though, that, you know, if the guy has forever to throw the ball, you can only p- defend someone in the secondary for so long. Um, that's just 
you know. Well, and Tennessee's got a pretty good offensive line. Yes, yes. And so that's going to be an, an interesting uh, matchup to, to look up uh, as well. The other thing, too, that uh, is interesting that, you know, Jimbo Fisher is is very rare to throw a quarterback under the bus. He, he He's going to defend his quarterback, and usually even when they make a mistake, it's a line of something to the extent of they made that mistake, but when they came back, they said they told me exactly why the mistake was made, and so I trust that they can move on and, and get better. He didn't. He didn't mention him his name, and he didn't actually even talk about the quarterback. But he did talk for a little bit about holding on to the ball for too long, uh, and, and that was one of the reasons why Alabama's pass rush was able to have some of the success they were against A&M's pass blocking and against. Max Johnson um, it, it is an interesting offense it's a complicated you know it, it, there are aspects in some in motion some in personnel that are different with Bobby Petrino but it does appear like the reads the progressions are pretty similar to the complexities of Jimbo Fisher's like Connor Wigman's a good quarterback he uh, was able to, to work through that I, it looks like at times Max Johnson especially against a, a pretty decent secondary is able to is having some trouble working through those progressions quickly enough um, I know if you want to look online there's some conspiracy theories about him only staring down his brother I don't think that's the case um, but I think that dumb. his brother being the tight end, the tight end is usually that lowest check down tight end or wide receiver or excuse me, running back. Um, they had the running back in blocking a decent amount of times this game. And so it naturally that check down that security blanket to try to just get it out is going to be his brother. Well, and you know, Saturday, it looked like it looked like Jimbo's offense, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of crossing routes over 10 to 20 yard range. Uh, and those plays take time to develop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if, if a quarterback in a system doesn't have time to let that play kind of progress, it could be bad news bears for him. And, 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 and to Jimbo's point, though, Max had some open receivers on Saturday and, and probably should have gotten rid of the ball a lot quicker. I mean, there's, there's one where, like, you can see you, – you get the screenshot of, like, just the play – and like it's right there. Like just throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To his credit, though, uh, at least according to the Pro Football Focus, Max Johnson is a better passer on play action this year than he is um, on just set plays. So um, some of those play action bootlegs actually get him in a position where he's a little bit outside the pocket, a little bit away from the rush, and he's found a little bit more success. They scored the touchdown on that one right. when he threw it to his brother in the end zone, wide both, open. Both the last two games. That right. was a very similar play. So um, I, I do think you'll continue to see a lot of the play action because they find a lot of success off of that. Even surprisingly, with how little they've been able to run the ball effectively, um, the play action still works pretty well. Yeah, it, well, and to Alabama's credit, they did an excellent job snuffing out those play actions in the first half. I mean, think about when they went for it on fourth down. Right. And part of that was AM kind of busted the play, it sounded like, but also <laughs> Alabama just blew it up. I mean, Jake Johnson was covered from the start. Even if even if AM hadn't messed up, I think Alabama had that one covered and probably would have stopped AM short of the line to gain. Yeah, there's having some issues again, and I, I didn't get to go back around, but it's what Layden Robinson was talking about a little bit. They're having issues, and if you want a little bit more shameless plug information on this, go back and watch our first week 
of uh, the quarterback room with Nick Starkle because he talked about this a lot. When Great you're talking stuff, about by the way. Your, your slide protections, uh, if they twist, and this is, I'm kind of paraphrasing what Nick said on this, if the defensive line twists or they stunt a linebacker around the outside, it's the offensive line's job to call out that free guy and bump the guy next to him so everyone kind of slides over a man to pick up that free man who's coming through, and they're having some trouble in the communication of bumping everybody over. That's exactly what happened in the the play where Connor Wigman got hurt and that guy ran free at him, is that they were trying to bump everybody over. Uh, Nick Starkle said, at least when he was playing here, that the call was go. If someone said go, that means you're sliding over one one uh, b- person to block and picking up the, the outside guy to pick up the free man. Um, that didn't happen, and that's why that guy got a free shot on Connor Wegman. So they're still having some cu- communication issues on that kind of protection, uh, and it, it certainly seems like twisting... The uh, the running twist on the defensive line is causing the uh, A&M offensive line some trouble still. You know, you and a couple others asked Jimbo a little bit today about, you know, decision-making with timeouts and fourth downs, punting, field goals. Just what were some of the big takeaways from what Jimbo had to say goes into their thought process on some of those things? Well, I, I wanted to know what the fail-safe is for clock management for this staff. Not to point fingers or anything like that, just to know a little bit more about how the system works. And, and a, a kind of a tangible example of that is all the time you see pretty much every coach who's on the sidelines has a get-back guy, has that guy who's a GA or something who at, at, when the coach is running out on the field to try to yell and get someone's attention, he's the guy that's going to grab his belt and pull him back onto the sideline to make sure they don't get a a sideline warning or take a stupid penalty. A lot of teams have a time management get-back guy. It's their job, and Jimbo Fisher did mention of them having kind of a matrix, a spreadsheet of different situations, different times, uh, where they're going to call things or go for things. Uh, You know, Lane Kiffin, a lot of stories about how they have a book on the sideline that's just full of analytics. They basically have an entire game situation scripted to where they can say okay it's fourth down on this yard line and this time here's the percentage chance so we're gonna go for it or we're gonna punt it or or whatever they have those those fail safes and I wanted to know if they have that kind of guy if it was a, a GA if it was one of the assistance jobs if it was someone who's on a headset well what's any what, what's that situation he didn't really answer that straightforward but what he no. did get into is kind of doubling down on his decision making at the end of the game saying that he called a timeout before that uh, last field goal um, because of two reasons. One, he said he felt like it would take his kickoff team about 25 seconds to get out there and get the kickoff, and that's 25 more seconds off the clock. You call a timeout, they have as, as basically as much time as they need to get out there and set up, and it doesn't run any more time off the clock. Secondly, the last time he ran the field goal unit out there, and it was in a live ball situation, they had a block, a kicked block. So he felt like giving them the time to set up, get the right personnel out there, um, that would be advantageous to them because they needed those points. And they had to score. They had to score. Um, but that being said, you, you, you talk a lot about your quarterbacks having to go back out after an interception and have that mentality of, you know, well, let's, let's move on. I don't necessarily think that burning a timeout there for – the, the, the kickoff team at a college level should be able to run out there and get a chip shot pretty easily. 
Um, and then he went in on Saturday to talk about, well, the reason he went for the onside kick with two minutes left is because they didn't have three timeouts, but the reason they didn't have three time, it's just really circular reasoning. All that to be said, basically, he doubled down on his decision-making there and even went into a little bit of an odd conversation about how actually it was Alabama who had back clock management because they ended up running the pass play instead of taking a knee on first down, which I get. There's some of that in, in the ecosystem right now because of what happened in the Miami-Georgia Tech game with them running the, liking to run the ball instead of taking a knee, fumbling Georgia Tech. Haynes King comes back, throws a touchdown. Georgia Tech wins. But still, it, 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 not a whole lot of answers necessarily on, on – I mean, there is answers. The answers were they stand by what they did in that game. They stood by what they did, and it did not work out in the Aggies' favor. I, I mean, I'm curious. I know we talked a little bit on Saturday after the game, but you kind of are our anchor in that little post-game recap thing. But did, did you agree um, with some of that time management stuff late in the game? You know, my biggest thing was that – you know, once they ruled Anias was out of bounds, because they had, what, like three minutes and ten seconds at mm-hmm. the two-yard line, and they sh- it took them two minutes to run three plays. That's ridiculous. Like, and, and, and I get it that, you know, they had to replay, was it first or second down when the Moss touchdown got called back the holding. for the holding. So they ran four plays. They mm-hmm. ran four plays. But the bottom line is, time was money right there and it felt like AM did not have a sense of urgency when urgency was of the utmost importance I, they they kind of just drug their feet and it was the worst case scenario because in that situation you have to get a touchdown because think about it even if AM had gotten the ball back with a minute what 10 and you probably have to go at least 80 yards they would have had to have scored a touchdown it's easier to just go and get the field goal because you don't have to go that far. So Anum certainly needed to get the touchdown. It, it didn't seem like it didn't seem like they were really trying to get it going. You know, I don't think I would have gone for it. I would have just kicked the field goal. But ah man, I think it was the sequence leading up to the field goal that got me the most because Jimbo's right. They had enough time to get it back. I probably would have kicked it deep, but. I'm not the head coach. <laughs> Here, here's what I say. I, I don't even think you need to use that timeout at all. I also think you need to kick it after the holding call on third down. Just go ahead and take the kick, because uh, take the three points, because you know you're, it's going to be a two-score game anyway. You're going to have to have a touchdown or a field goal. At that point, with you would rather have more time on the clock when you're going to need the longer field to have to go down. Just kick the field goal, run your field goal team out there, kick the field goal on third down, uh, and then kick it deep. The defense has proven that they're going to stop the run. Like Alabama is not going to throw the ball on any other down except third down. You have three timeouts still. You're going to stop them. Uh, Get the stop, get the ball back, and give your offense a chance to go score a touchdown in that situation. Because, two, when you're on the – what was it? They were on – well, the holding call pushed them back, but still you're on a shorter field – it's harder to to play call for a touchdown pass on the shorter field. It's easier to defend. It's a better way to say a shorter field. You could bust a long touch. I mean, look back at the Miami Georgia Tech game. It was a they they took twenty five seconds to go 
what was it, 85 yards, 75 yards, I think it was 75 yards, and the last play was a busted coverage. They got behind the defensive backs, threw a touchdown, that's ball game. I think you have better chances then. So, yeah, not a lot of answers. I know we've kicked this the can down the road on this, but I, I, I don't like the play calling there. I don't like the play calling going for fourth down at the beginning. You take the points there. Uh, especially yeah, at just home, just get the lead. It just was. They a did that weird two years ago. They went up three to nothing after the first drive. Yeah, it was a w- strangely called game. And you can't necessarily say at the end it was probably too conservative, but at the beginning it was a little too aggressive. It, it, it just the pendulum swung too much, and it almost seemed like they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants more necessarily than having a good idea of you know. And that might go back to the the Lane Kiffin analytics book, and I know Jimbo Fisher is not a huge analytics guy. I, I don't know. They wouldn't really answer the question on that today. So, um, so yeah. You're, so you're saying Jimbo should listen to Lane Kiffin on something? <laughs> I'm not going to step into that bear trap. <laughs> we'll just leave that one be. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it for us today. <laughs> I was not trying to draw Travis off sides, but... Hey, be sure to check the eagle.com for all of our coverage about AM football, and we'll see you next week.